Welcome to Talk Public Health. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any institution, nor is an endorsement of any agency or organization. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individuals, and we respect the fact that people's views and opinions are subject to change. Yeah, welcome back to our first episode of the funded, relaunched, and rebranded Talk Public Health. We've missed you guys so much and we're glad to be back. A lot has transpired over the past months. One being that we are now graduates of public health. Woohoo! Yay! And we will be covering about 10 episodes with some special editions, including interesting interviews, behind the scenes content, and so much more up until May 2020. Also, stay tuned for more information about our very own research project, which is running in parallel to this season of TPH. Annie, our distinguished project manager and creative director, will tell us more about this. Hey, Tosin, happy birthday. Thanks for coming to my party, Annie. But um, what's with the... Um... Oh, the wetsuit. Well, Tosin, today I'm hoping to catch a wave. You're going surfing at my birthday party? Oh, you still don't get it. Haven't you heard that the first wave of the flop survey has now been released? You know Talk Public Health, that fabulous podcast that we both listen to? They're now doing a research study with their listeners. Oh, so we get to be the participants? That's right. They've put in weeks of effort into designing the study themselves, actually, and now has proper ethical approval and everything. It's about how podcasts help us learn about public health. They're launching their first survey with the first episode of the new season of the podcast. Wow, that sounds so exciting. I want to be a part of it too. So where can I find this survey? Well, the link to the survey is all over social media. You can check the show notes for episode one or go on all the major social media platforms or the Talk Public Health website. That sounds amazing. Okay, Annie, you take care of all my party guests. Tell them that I've gone to catch a wave. Thanks a lot, Annie, for that. And I definitely look forward to our audience learning more and participating in the FLOP study. Ah, yes, definitely looking forward. And we can't forget our fantastic sponsors. Of course, we are grateful to the Association of Schools of Public Health in the European region, ASFA, and the Associations of Schools and Programs of Public Health, ASPPH, for funding this grant. And the School of Health and Related Research, SHA, the University of Sheffield, for their support in making this a success. Of course, we will want to give a special mention to Dr. Julie Balin for her support in seeing us throughout this process. Now we are available on different platforms, so wherever you prefer listening to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, we are there. And we tell you, just go ahead and hit the subscribe button 
um, on your favorite platform, particularly if you're on Apple Podcast, we can really use the follows. Um, and another icing on the cake is our new website, which will feature all our productions and activities. So make sure to check out talkpublichealth.com. So let's get cracking on this. Our first episode is an interview with a prominent personality from a nation that has recently faced a catastrophic event and suffered drastically from its effects. Yeah, you heard that. In this interview, we will look into the topic that plays a large role into similar events like the one explored by our team and why this should be of a great concern to us all. Charles has been working on this topic and it's very close to his heart. So Charles, do you want to tell our audience more about what we're addressing today? So TPH fans, on this very first episode of this season, we are addressing the issue of climate change and health. So that's the topic, not teasing it anymore. Um, And we've decided to pull out the big guns by interviewing a minister of health and a bohemian that I'm excited to say. Um, As we explore this critical topic, how it leads to issues like the devastating Hurricane Dorian, which impacted my home country, the Bahamas, in September 2019, and why people both in the Bahamas and listening around the world should care about the linkages between climate change and health. Uh, Good day, Dr. Sands. Um, It's a pleasure to have you as a key guest on Talk Public Health. Public health plays such an important role in the lives and well-being of the people that you and I serve, Dr. Sands, in our respective capacities as public health practitioners. But before we delve into this topic any further, I'd like to give the microphone to you, sir, to uh, introduce yourself for our audience listening around the world uh, who may not be aware of your credentials. Well, my name is Dwayne Sands. I am the Minister of Health of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, having been in this role since May of 2017. I guess that makes me a politician. Prior to this, when I had a different life, I was a surgeon. I am a general surgeon and a cardiovascular surgeon. So my practice, when I did practice, was quite varied. It included adult and congenital heart surgery, peripheral vascular surgery, general thoracic surgery, trauma, critical care, endoscopy, So a lot of people call me a hand surgeon whenever I get my hands on. (laughs) This transition now to Minister of Health means that I do very little acute medicine, although I still do operate one day a month Ah, on average. And uh, but most of my time I spend on public health policy, health policy in general, and dealing with a number of the challenging issues facing this country. So, Minister, as a public health and climate change uh, researcher and advocate, I don't think it's an understatement to say that the world is slowly beginning to realize and recognize what countries like the Bahamas and other small island developing states have been preaching for decades. Uh, We know extreme weather events like Hurricane Dorian have been linked to this larger issue of climate change. And we're going to definitely talk about Hurricane Dorian, but I just want to start with the basics. Why should people both Bohemians and those listening around the world care about the linkages between climate change and health? Well, you've asked a very important question. I think we need to step back a little bit because before we even talk about 
the relationship between climate change and health, we should talk about the relationship between climate change and life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the first real thrust in the climate change debate probably could be ascribed to uh, Al Gore and the inconvenient truth that probably on a mass scale bought the issue of, of uh, climate change, what we used to call global warming, into stark relief. And there was an era when the world started accepting that this was a real phenomenon. And actually, there were a number of efforts to move the world we need to look at Copenhagen, mm -hmm. we can uh, look at uh, ultimately Paris, but unfortunately what happened was you had the creation of a counter-current movement, and mm -hmm. that was the climate deniers, or mm -hmm. climate change deniers. And they have unfortunately gotten the upper hand in this discussion. When you look at the the uh, amount of money placed in the climate change denial movement, they have been able to reduce those people who accept the overwhelming evidence of the combination of an increasing uh, carbon dioxide presence in the atmosphere, uh, a rise in general temperatures, but in particular sea temperatures, uh -huh. the elimination of the polar ice caps that uh, have resulted in more absorption of heat as opposed to less absorption of heat, uh -huh. the commercial production of beef uh, that has led to mass productions of methane, which also traps heat. And so what we have seen has been an increase in aggressive weather systems, mm -hmm. tropical cyclones, a change in the location of the uh, Gulf Stream. We have seen um, rising sea levels because of the melting of the polar ice caps. Yep. And the sinking of a number of small island developing states. Mm -hmm. Tivalu is one of them. But quite frankly, as you look around the world, you see other uh, areas that are sinking. And when you have the juxtaposition of sea level rises with seasonal or diurnal variations in tides, uh -huh, uh -huh. you can wind up with a situation like we had in Venice this last week, ah, that was a, where a uh, everything's underwater. Uh -huh. For our Audience out there, I'm sure you'll be wondering uh, who Al Gore is and what uh, Dr. Dwayne Sands was talking about when he mentioned him. So he is a prominent author and he wrote the book Inconvenient Truth, the Planetary Emergency of Global Warming and What We Can Do About It. Al Gore is the 45th Vice President of the United States. He was Bill Clinton's running mate. And over the years, he has become an environmental activist whose work has been predominantly on climate change ac activism. This has earned him actually a Nobel Peace Prize in 2007. So I would say if you're interested to know more, grab a copy of that book.
Following up on that, we also heard her Dr. Sands talking about uh, Copenhagen. And for those of you who might not recognize the um, reference, for those not diverse in the climate change world, Copenhagen was really in reference to a uh, 2009 uh, United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP15, which was held that year. And uh, COP really stands for Conference of Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on um, Climate Change. And uh, that was one of the most uh, major um, UN uh, conferences held around climate change until COP21, which was held in France, uh, where the Paris Agreement was actually uh, born, dealing with uh, this uh, larger and ambitious uh, targets of addressing greenhouse gas emissions, mitigation, adaptation, and uh, financing, uh, which was uh, signed in 2016. Um, and I'm sure that we will talk a bit more about that in this in future episodes. We could also hear Dr. Sands talk about that even after the creation of a Paris Agreement that Charles has uh, just talked about, we still ended up with the creation of countercurrent movements. This is what we call uh, climate change uh, deniers. So even to the extent of having a prominent leader of our world today, the person whom I shall not mention or who I'm able to mention, the likes of Trump, being a climate change denier and even providing higher playing fields for movements of climate change denial. So uh, you would wonder why, given this really relevant and strong document that has provided us on a way forward to address climate change, why do we end up with prominent leaders being climate change deniers? And... Um even even persons who are being harmed by this whole uh, climate change denial issue may not actually recognize where it's coming from and the powers that drive it and why this is creating such a uh, huge level of um, injustice for uh, people who are at the front lines of climate change, such as small countries like the Bahamas. For our listeners wondering about Venice, uh, there was a flooding that happened on Tuesday, November 12th. 2019 in Venice, just after the uh, parliament refused to vote on climate change uh, mitigation strategies. So we could see <laughs> maybe this was karma, but, but I would like to stick to uh, being a scientist and say this is just a reassurance that climate change is real. Oh, and there's so much more to give commentary about. Uh, but we're going to switch back over to the interview with Dr. Sands to see what else he has to say about this uh, topic of climate change and health. The threat to life is a real phenomenon. Mm -hmm. As this process changes, however, there are incredible impacts on the flora and fauna. As the earth warms up, we see changes in species. We see migrations of fish and other animals. We see the emergence of new organisms, whether that's bacteria, viruses, fungi, and also more complex uh, animals. We see changes in the water table, contamination. All of these things have posed when it's not directly impacting life, mm -hmm. as it does with tropical cyclones, for instance, uh, a significant impact on health. 
And so what we have seen with climate change is a massive threat to the public's health in ways that we never imagined would happen. Everybody can see the impact of a Hurricane Sandy, a Hurricane Katrina, a Hurricane Hugo, or other tropical events. In this region, we talk about Hurricane Joaquin, Matthew, and Irma. Mm -hmm. But I want you to look at the economic impact of those hurricanes. Hurricane Joaquin, Matthew, and Irma, all of which struck fear in the hearts of uh, people in the region. Mm -hmm. In the Bahamas, they would have accounted for an economic uh, loss of maybe seven or eight hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. Now along comes Dorian, which hit Elbow Key in Abaco, packing winds of sustained winds of 185 miles an hour and gusts of up to 250 miles an hour, mm -hmm. but with a sea surge that may have been as high as 20 to 25 feet. What that did was to create economic losses of anywhere between 2.7 billion to 7 billion. So let's say three and a half billion dollars. Yes. What am I suggesting? I'm suggesting that the new normal is not of a tropical cyclone, but a turbocharged tropical event. Mm -hmm. And the impact of the sea surge, just flooding land masses, totally changes much of what we thought we knew mm -hmm. about uh, the environment. And um, we are now just scrambling to understand the massive changes in vector-borne illnesses come with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether we're talking mosquitoes mm -hmm. or rodents and the diseases that are associated with them. We also have to deal with non-bacterial waterborne illnesses. Fantastic. Contamination from um, chemicals. Okay. When you look at the impact on the public's health, there are many bizarre or new challenges mm -hmm. related to changes in food sources mm -hmm. so that the uh, crops that you would have expected are wiped out. So now you're talking about malnutrition, uh, undernutrition, famine. You have a, a number of concerns that previously never really entered into our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so as people elevate the concern about climate change. I think health and the impact on the health of so many people becomes perhaps the greatest concern at this time. Most definitely. Uh, I think that will segue into Dorian. Uh, I, I cannot begin to uh, express the helplessness I felt, Minister, as I saw our second and third most populated islands and economic engines for our country become decimated over the course of a few days um, as I was in Europe trying to complete my studies uh, in the Europe Pub Health, European Masters of Public Health program. And I, I, guess, I guess at this point, Minister, thinking about this issue of climate change and health, um, and as Minister of Health, what was going through your mind? And what is the Bahamas doing now to recover from Hurricane Dorian from a health perspective? And how do we 
now embed this whole issue of climate resiliency into how we perform as a health sector? Well, that's a pretty important question because certainly without access to basic health services, it would be impossible to respond. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that we did was to try and restore health services by the provision of health personnel, human resources, and uh, setting up temporary, uh, sometimes makeshift health facilities in tents, in trailers, in repaired buildings, etc. We would have had to deal with the typical range of problems, so traumatic injuries first, and then rashes and immersion from the elements then, of course, the psychological mm-hmm. um, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, and so on and so forth. But then also uh, heightening our presence in terms of vector surveillance mm-hmm. and the uh, scrutiny to avoid an explosion of vector-borne illnesses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, making sure that the water is safe, making sure that the food is safe. Mm-hmm. And now it's uh, trying to ensure that we are paying attention to appropriate public health strategies, mm-hmm. treating non-communicable diseases in populations where people have lost everything, and quite frankly, many of them don't think it's important anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. why should I take my medicine when I don't have a house, mm-hmm. or why should I take my high blood pressure medicine when my wife is dead, mm-hmm. uh, or I've lost a child? Mm-hmm. Why is this important anymore? So trying to ensure that you can provide health services and surveillance and monitoring is a critical part of the restoration of a community, because you can't bring construction workers into an environment where they have no way to be treated if they hit their finger with a hammer or step on a nail mm-hmm. or, heaven forbid, uh, fall off the back of a truck or off a roof and end up with a spine injury or head injury. Mm-hmm. So to make sure that we can provide health services, mm-hmm. very, very important. It is so important that you have to transcend the seemingly obvious limitations, and that is that you have this massive blow to the economy, mm-hmm. the devastation of a, two parts of the engine of that economy, and yet you still have to provide that service. So you've got to be creative, mm-hmm. you've got to be doggedly determined to get it done, and you've got to be um, able to um, pull the most out of what you have. And thus far, I think we've managed to accomplish that quite well. But I I wanted to say a little bit about climate justice. Yes. Because if you look at it, the this is really a class issue Mm -hmm. where the wealthy are benefiting uh, disproportionately and the less wealthy or poor are paying the highest price, mm-hmm. and you're watching wealth accrue, it's accruing disproportionately. Mm-hmm. It's being concentrated 
into a few hands. One percent of the top one percent. <laughs> and the rest of the world mm -hmm. are now less wealthy, more ill, and as a matter of fact, some of the illnesses that they would never have been exposed to, they're now being exposed to because of the uh, climate injustice. Mm -hmm. When you watch the devastation of homes, mm -hmm. when you look at the destruction of communities, the price is greatest borne by those who can least afford it. Mm -hmm. And so the climate injustice is borne by the marginalized, by the vulnerable, by the poor, by the young, by the very old. Mm -hmm. And so we are watching the re-emergence of a Darwinian phenomenon that we thought that the world had moved away from. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a very long time, we spoke about the equality and the common value of man. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the SDGs now, they give lip service to these lofty ideals. Very lofty. But if you look at what obtains or what actually is happening, those lofty ideals now, we speak about them, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure we're going to be able to accomplish them unless we tackle this phenomenon. And so... Where you pick an SDG, three mm -hmm. is a reasonable one. Mm -hmm. You cannot accomplish SD, the SDG three without addressing climate change mm -hmm. and addressing it in a way that is probably more aggressive than Paris. 100%. 100%. We have to acknowledge that the discussions about climate change never really got more than just lip service. There was no fierce urgency of now, uh -huh. to paraphrase the immortal words of Martin Luther King. The ministers of health and public health practitioners are silent warriors, or have been the warriors in the background dealing with the consequences of this phenomenon. Uh -huh. And now we can no longer be silent warriors. We have to be active. We have to be loud. We have to be in your face, as it were, getting people to understand connections that they probably never knew existed. Mm -hmm. What I think the public health warriors now need to do is to move out of health and to talk to their colleagues in commerce and in energy, trade, environment, um, national security, the attorney generals around the world, because what we're, what we're watching is the destruction of the future for generations to come. Mm -hmm. And that I don't deny the evidence that I've seen. I think it is a frightening reality that that uh, we have done to this planet what we've done and we've seen the consequences mm -hmm. and um, you know it's all well and good to talk to people about you know avoiding salt and too much sugar and uh, make sure you exercise when in reality we've got to combine that with well 
perhaps you need to be lobbying for um, less use of fossil fuels and mm -hmm. avoidance of economic and trade policies that lead to the destruction of the environment that then worsens your health. Yes. Yes, uh, building on to what uh, Dr. Dwayne Sand has informed us about, I would say, uh, permit me to use the word, he has dissected this uh, topic, this interlinkages with climate change and life and climate change and health. We would really like our audience to reflect more about the linkages of climate change and health. Uh, in your everyday life, in what you read about, in things you do, how would you say climate change is linked with health outcomes and uh, things like that? But we would like you to uh, comment below, let us know why we need to address this topic as healthcare professionals. So we hope that you all enjoyed the interview with Dr. Sands, and we wanted to prepare some uh, reflection questions uh, for you as our audience, uh, TPH staple. So, are you ready to be a public health warrior and tackle this issue of climate change beyond your academic and workplace? Tell us exactly how will you do this? Um, you can do that through leaving a comment um, or in a review on Apple Podcasts <laughs> uh, to let us know how will you handle this topic. Uh, yes, uh, that's definitely something. I would say we already are <laughs> uh, advocating for climate change with this episode. Yes, uh, would you agree with me, Charles? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we definitely look forward to your comments about the reflective question Charles has uh, asked you to uh inform us about and of course uh, we try to stick to our time and give you some bits and pieces of the interview with Dr. Sand but if you would like to have a full uh, transcript of what he was able to bring our attention to visit our website for the full recap of our interview as well as other snippets that we have uh, highlighted from this interview with Dr. Sands.